Hey, welcome to Infuse Church Online. My name is Taylor, and, and we are in week three of our series, Actions Speak Louder. And today, I just want to ask you the question, what is your greatest challenge? Standing between you and what you hope you could be. What are the barriers that keep you from being the person that you want to be to, to decide to do the right things and take the right steps and actions in your life? And I think the answer may surprise you, so stick around. So, um, welcome, if you're just joining us. Um, we are in part three of the series. In other words, we are like, if this were a movie, which is kind of how I do series, we try to kind of build somewhat on, on the ideas as we go along. I don't, like, hit you with everything in week one. Um, we're about a, a third of the way, or two-thirds of the way through the movie, um, and next week, um, I have some bad news, and I have some good news as we wrap up the series. Um, the bad news is I will not be preaching the good news is that Stephanie will be preaching, um, and if you don't know who Stephanie is, uh, she is a pastor, and she is also my wife, so that's a lot. I mean, just imagine the things she goes through. And um, so anyways, um, also Stephanie, and um, I, I think this is kind of just, uh, well, it'll be fun for you. If, if, you, if you've uh, listened to her preach before, you know that she tends to bring you gifts in fact, does anybody uh, still have their grass alive? Okay, that's fine. I, I mean, it's fair. It's grass. Um, but she gave everybody grass l last time that she was here. And, and then you all messaged me pictures of, of the little cup of grass that she gave you because it was just obviously so meaningful to you. And this next week, she will also be bringing a gift for you. And so I think she's just buying your affection um, but we will, we will just have to see. Um, and I know you guys wouldn't be bought um, for, for a price. You're, you're loyal and true, right? <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Um, also, I forgot about our online folks. Hey, listen, if you want one of those precious gifts, whatever they are, um, I haven't even seen them yet, uh, that you can send me your address, and I will, if it is sizable enough to send to you, I will send it to you. So just send us your address. I don't want to leave you out. Um, so today, I want to start off um, the message with uh, a bit of a confession, a personal confession to you, um, which for some of you might be a little strange because you grew up in a tradition where you used to go to the pastor or the priest and you would have to confess all of your sins. Um, and so this may feel backwards to you. Um, in fact, I was kind of imagining this, like, wouldn't it be kind of weird if you went into confessional and like, you're like, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And, and then they come back and say, no, forgive me. And then they go into all the things that they've done wrong. That would be kind of weird. Um, but I feel like um, it's important that we're honest here at Infuse. And so I just want to start with a confessional uh, about me, and, and this confession, um, you may find it to be relatable, um, and the confession is this, that I have been, Taylor has been, myself, I have been a part of every bad thing that I have ever done. I have been a bad, I've been a part of every bad thing that I have ever done. Back in my college days, I was there, and I remember at least 98 plus percent of it, Okay. I was a part of it. Every bad decision um, or choice or action that I have done in terms of my marriage, I was a part of it. I was complicit in it. When it comes to parenting, when it comes to pastoring, I know this is hard to believe, but I even make bad decisions when it comes to pastoring. I know. And I was there. And I was a part of that decision. The other day, um, I went to a movie. Um, and I can't even remember the movie. It was good, I think. 
Anyways, went to the movie, and it doesn't happen that often. And you, you parents know this. When you have kids, it's like the last thing you're doing is, I'm going to go to a movie and just sit there for a couple hours. I guess it sounds peaceful, but like the screaming when you get home. Anyways, so I'll go to a movie, and um, I was really proud of myself um, because I had a water and a popcorn when I walked into the theater. And then I was like, ah, I got to go to the bathroom before the movie starts. Oh, it's Star Wars. Star Wars is long, so I got to, you know, prepare myself. So I leave the theater, okay, and when I come back, not only have I've gone to the bathroom, but I've also purchased candy. And it's like, how did that happen? Because I was so proud of the decisions that I made, but I was there for my bad decision. Or some of you, you may find this uh, relatable as well, is uh, if you are an Amazon person like I am, the uh, frequently bought together is so unhelpful because it's like, wow, I really want that. And then it's like, and also with that thing that you really, really want, you can get this and this, and you're like, <laughs> well, I guess I have to. And then it's just one button, you add it all to your cart. It's just, it's a mess. It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing, and I've been there for it. Now, the reason that I'm comfortable sharing this with you is because um, the same is true for you, isn't it? That, that you, have also been a bad, uh, you have also been a part of every bad thing that you have ever done. That every decision that you made Every decision you should have made but didn't make, you were there for, right? I mean, you were the one that told your kids your hamster, or their hamster took a vacation when really you just forgot to feed them, right? That, that you, you, um, you, know, you cheated on Candyland growing up. We've all done it. Life, yeah, some people are raising their hands, they're feeling so guilty, okay? Yeah, that you took that job that you knew you shouldn't have, and you took it for the wrong reasons, but you did it anyways, that you lied, that you were probably more greedy than you needed to be, um, that you shouldn't have gone out with him, you shouldn't have gone out with her. I mean, the red flags were going up right and left, but you did it anyways. And you were a part, you were complicit in the bad things that you have done in your life. Now certainly, and I know the argument like, well, the other people were there too and they didn't help the situation. Certainly they didn't help the situation, but ultimately you were the one that made the decision. You were the one that moved your mouth and moved your feet and your hands. And so what I want you to consider this morning, in, especially in relation to the song that kind of played in today's message, um, was that our greatest challenge, and I'm including myself in this, and your greatest challenge may be that our greatest challenge that you and I face is the man or the woman in the mirror. Ever think about that? That your greatest challenge to getting to where you want to go, to being the person that you want to be, or to just getting better in certain areas of your life, it's you. It's the person you see every morning when you wake up and you look in the mirror. And I, I understand that there's probably some exceptions to this rule, that there are things that can happen in life that can really hold you back. But I think, if, especially if you look at not just your past, but also your future as well, you're going to be with you for the whole thing. And that over the course of our entire lives, I'm guessing the person who does more hurt to your personal growth and your ambitions and your hopes and your dreams is, is you, is the person you see in the mirror every morning when you wake up. And if actions speak louder than words, isn't it then important that you, the person you see in the mirror, are making the right decisions, right actions, and doing the right things? And so that's what I want to help you with today. That's what I've been wanting to help you with the whole series. That's what James, and we're going to look at James today, and Jesus, and all the people we've talked about so far in this series, they want to help you with. 
They don't want you to slide back into old habits, which were so, so easy for us to do. They don't want you to just give in to the temptations of the world like that $6 candy at the movie theaters because you really didn't need it to begin with. I'm talking to myself, of course, not to you, but that I want to help you to process through those doubts, to find direction, that whatever is kind of holding you back, that really you are ultimately behind, that you would be able to move through. And I think the solution, at least the solution I want to prepare or uh, propose to you today, is that it begins with who you see in the mirror. Who you see in the mirror, and also the mirror itself. Let me explain what I mean by that. Because first, I think we have to kind of agree on the mirror. And we have to agree on the quality of the mirror. And, and most of us, especially if we've grown up in the last like 100 plus years, we would say, well, aren't all mirrors the same, right? They're all very reflective and they all kind of work the same way. That's true, but that all hasn't always been true, okay? And let me give you an example of a mirror that we would not exactly consider a mirror because it just doesn't look like it works very well. And that's true because it didn't work very well. This is about a 2,000-year-old mirror. Um, this was a Roman mirror made out of what's called Roman glass. It's a bluish glass, and actually I have a piece of it um, here. This is like 1,800-year-old yeah, um, Roman glass. Um, and uh, it, it has this bluish hue to it. That's how you know that it's real. And that was the best. They didn't just make it this way because that was the only option, or because they wanted it to be blue. It was because it was the only option. It was the best glass that they had to work with, okay? And so if you go to Israel, um, you can pick some of these up um, in shops, um, and, and they will honestly tell you they got it from the black market, and so you just have to make an ethical bad decision on that one. Or as you're walking through dig sites and ancient ruins, you will find pieces and shards of this Roman glass sitting around because it was so common, because if you imagine never having glass before, and then it kind of comes on the market, people would go wild for it. And there's priceless, priceless antiques that are made out of this Roman glass. But my point is here, and this is where it becomes practical for us, is it's just really hard to honestly see yourself in this. Like imagine tomorrow going to work, okay, and you walk in to work tomorrow, and everybody in your office, everyone, no exceptions, everyone in your office only had this mirror to use to get ready to come into work that day, or tomorrow specifically, okay? Could you imagine the variety of appearances that you would see, right? There would be people that still had food in their teeth from breakfast. You know, there'd be some people who just, the makeup went wrong. I mean, it honestly was better that they, they just shouldn't have worn it or shouldn't have tried because all they had to work with is this, and hair would be wild and disheveled, and, and ladies, you'd have that one strand that was out of place. I know, it's just stressful. You know, guys, and maybe you'd shave, maybe you wouldn't. I mean, you'd just probably, like, show up, honestly. You'd probably just, like, well, whatever, okay? You'd probably be fine, okay? But beside the point, you know, we'd, we'd all look a little worse off, and, and in my opinion, my personal opinion, I think when it comes to our actions and when it comes to like reflecting on our actions and our decisions and the consequences that they have, a lot of us, maybe even most of us, use mirrors like this. This is what we try to look into when we say, hey, should I have done that? Was that the right decision? Was that the best decision? Was that the right action I should have took? We look into a mirror like this. And so, 
I think we might want to consider finding a mirror that works a little better into our lives. A, a mirror that when we look into it, it's really clear what's going on and what needs to be fixed. That it clearly reflects our actions and our consequences. Because when we can no longer see ourselves clearly, I've noticed what happens is we tend to look at everybody else. Because when we can no longer see ourselves clearly, we focus on everyone else as our mirror. When the, when the image isn't clear, we look everywhere else. So in other words, like, you look at your life and you look at your decisions and you think to yourself, well, you know, I maybe haven't made the best of decisions, but at least I'm not in prison because a lot of people are in prison. And, and it's like, well, that's true, but is that the best reference point? Is that the best mirror to reflect your actions off of? Some of you would say, like, you know, like, you know, I, I maybe, uh, you know, haven't made the greatest financial decisions, but I haven't made the decisions that they've made, you know, who they are. And so, at least I'm better than them. Or I have so many things going for me, you know, like, I haven't thrown away my life like they have, like, I have a pretty decent paycheck, I have a big paycheck, I have a huge paycheck. You know, I went on a really nice vacation and they didn't, my neighbors were all jealous, and so obviously, obviously, I'm doing better than everybody else. Now, rarely we would ever be so bold as to say it to other people, but I think we feel it inside. Rarely would we even say it maybe to our spouse or say it to our, even to ourselves, but, but we see what everybody else is doing, and then we look at us and we say, well, it's not that bad. In fact, it's actually pretty good. In fact, I am a pretty good husband. In fact, I am a pretty good wife. In fact, I am a pretty good parent. In reality, all we're doing is just finding someone that we look better than and encouraging ourselves from that basis. And isn't it true that we rarely, rarely will go out of our way to find someone that's better than we are to compare ourselves to? We don't do that. We find people who aren't, who, who aren't doing as well, or essentially, more importantly, who will make us look better and feel better. And it's easier to do that. It's easier to do that. I mean, but think to yourself, like, how often do you, like, ah, I need to really, you know, learn from this person because they just really do a great job in this area. Maybe in a couple areas of your life, maybe in your career path, okay? I do that. That's really easy for me. I love leadership, so I look at other people who I think are great leaders, and I try to read their books and learn from them because that's, like, my strength. But the areas in which I feel like I'm weaker, that I'm not quite as confident, that I don't feel like I know what's going on, I don't find those great reference points to reflect my life and my actions off of. And I think often that's true of us as well. And I think when we do that, we miss out on this. We miss out on a clearer mirror. Say that ten times fast. A clearer mirror. We miss out on something that's going to show us who we are, what we're doing, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, so we can be honest with ourselves about our actions. We can hold our actions up to it and say, I am getting the authentic truth about this because I ultimately want to grow so that I, who will eventually be someone's spouse or I am someone's spouse, will be the person that is the best version of me that I can be for that person, for that other person, that I can be the best 
parent that I can be, the role model, the roommate, the leader, whatever that looks like for you, that you have a clear mirror for you to live your life off of. And I think when you do that, you just have almost unlimited potential. You can confront truth in your life for what it is, and you can change and you can grow. And you're not referencing others, which others will change, people will change, but you're looking at you. And then, most importantly, I think when you find a clearer mirror, a good healthy reference point for your life, you remove the greatest challenge to your own success sometimes, which is you. You take you out of the equation because what do you see in the mirror when you wake up in the morning? You see you. And so if you're going to try to figure it all out on your own, of your own accord, chances are you're going to fail. Because how are you going to get better when all you're looking at is the you you started with in the first place? It's going to be very, very difficult if you have no healthy reference point or mirror to reflect your life actions off of. And I'll be honest with you, what I'm going to talk about next, this is a choice. This is a decision you have to make. So I don't want any of you to walk out of here today and like, well, I have to do that, or you really made me feel guilty, and I got it. No, I'm just saying this is an option for you. And, and it's an option that, that I personally have leaned, toward, leaned into, and it has changed my life, and so I can't help but talk, it, talk about it with you. Because some of you, some of us, me included, we need to be honest, maybe not with our whole life, but certain areas of our life that we could be better, and to be better means we have to find someone, something better than ourselves to use as our mirror and reference point as we move forward. Now, in week one, we looked at the book of James, um, and it's not a book so much as it's a letter written by a guy named James. And James was kind of a big deal because he was the half-brother of Jesus, um, and in Christianity, Jesus is kind of a big deal. Uh, son of God, that whole thing. And so James is kind of a unique guy, and we talked about this in week one, but he was a guy who um, uh, really wasn't involved in Jesus' ministry at all, and then he became very involved in the whole Jesus thing. But it wasn't until after Jesus had died and really the real clincher, we think, for James was that Jesus came back to life, which honestly is the foundation of Christianity and is uh, really the cornerstone of our faith and really the, the change that happened in the disciples that really took the church, um, really took this whole Jesus thing from zero to two plus billion people in the world today. And so James experienced this transformation and became one of the, the leaders in the early church. He was the head pastor uh, in the, of the church in Jerusalem. And so um, he wrote a letter. Um, he probably wrote many, but we only have one. And he wrote a letter specifically to Jewish Christians. Um, and so people who grew up Jewish, but were now Jesus followers and following Jesus because they had experienced Jesus. They had experienced Jesus' resurrection. And there was a problem going on. The problem was that James, James's audience, as we do today, we had, they had the clear mirror, the healthy reference point to use for their life and their actions, and they weren't using it. They had this amazing tool at their disposal, but they weren't taking advantage of it. And so here is James in this little part of James chapter 1 addressing this problem and providing the solution to the man in the mirror and how we can find a better reference point for our life. And so here's how James, um, James begins his passage, uh, or this passage that we're looking at. He says, Do not merely listen to the word 
And the word is really important here, um, and I don't have a lot of time to explain this, um, so I'm going to try to make it as brief as possible, and then I think halfway through the summer we're going to have a series and we're going to spend a whole Sunday talking about the word. Um, But the word here, essentially you can exchange it um, with uh, not what we think about as word, because, uh, and I've talked about this before, if um, you uh, read the Old Testament or the first half of the Bible, essentially, um, you are reading ancient Hebrew translated into English, and if you read the New Testament, or essentially the Jesus on portion of the Bible, that is ancient Greek, and then we translate it into English. That's why there's different versions like NIV or NRSV or ESV or all those Vs. Anyways, um, so this particular Greek word, ancient Greek word right here, is the word logos. Okay, and there's other words for word. This is where it gets really confusing. This is why I'm trying to simplify it, but logos. And so essentially the simplest way to say it, the short version of what James is saying here is he's talking about Jesus. The word essentially is Jesus and everything that Jesus taught and everything that Jesus embodied. And that Jesus is our clearer mirror. Jesus is our clear mirror. So essentially what he's saying is do not merely listen to Jesus and everything he taught and embodied. Do not just merely listen to it. In other words, when you um, are wondering, you have a decision to make or an action to take, when you're wondering what to do, you would essentially say, what would Jesus do? Like, Jesus, how do you handle judgment? Because I know Christians, and they're very judgy. Some of them are very judgy. And so, Jesus, what did you say about judgment? So then I can actually live that out in my actions. Jesus, what did you say about money? Because I want to live that out in my, in my life. What did you say about how I should treat my neighbors? Well, that's how I want to live it out and, and act that out in my life. I got a big decision on my hands, Jesus. How would you have handled it? Et cetera, et cetera. Because I want to use you, Jesus, as my reference point. And James is saying to his audience, do not merely listen to it, do not merely listen to it. He's saying, you got to do it. So translating this for 21st century terms, Jesus, is, and, and some of you knew this because you grew up in church, and this was kind of the church environment that you grew up in, okay? And this is the, the environment James grew up in. On the next slide, I brought a picture of it so you could see, okay? This is a synagogue, i.e., this is a modern-day version of church, so to speak, like a physical building kind of church, okay? And what would happen, James is saying, is y'all come in and y'all circle around, you sit up on the benches and stuff, and then over here in the side room, they pull out the scroll, so they pull out the B-I-B-L-E, and they'd walk it over here on this really ornate little pedestal, and they'd roll it out, and they would read what you're supposed to do to follow God's law, And he says, the problem is, y'all show up on Sundays, and in our version, we don't have a pedestal, we have a Samsung TV, but, you know, and they put the words up on the screen, and the problem is, you are just listening only. The problem is, your truth mirror is being read aloud, is being taught to you, is being told to you, but the problem is, all you're doing is listening and then you all leave, and you're like, oh, it's a good point, pastor. In fact, actually, more than likely, like, it's almost certain that Jesus would have taught in this particular synagogue um, because of how old it is, and then also because it's in the city called Magdala, where Mary Magdalene was from, and Jesus had uh, a close relationship with her. Um, she followed him along as well as funded his ministry, and so there's probably a really good chance that he taught at some point in the synagogue. And so you're sen- essentially sitting there listening to Jesus, and you're like, Jesus, that's some great points. Love what you're saying, you know, and then you just leave and nothing happens because all you did is listen all you did is listen and he said do not miss merely listen to the word as he goes on 
The problem that we have to solve is the fact that you actually do what it says. You have the Jesus mirror. You just don't look at it. Like, and I don't exactly know why we do this. Maybe it's because we're like afraid of change, or maybe we don't think it's possible. Maybe we don't think um, it, it's, it, that it's, it's almost maybe too real, too convicting, and it scares us because change is hard, and we realize we're going to have to change parts of our lives that we're really comfortable with and used to and all those kinds of things. And so we just avoid it altogether. But I think that should bother you. And I get for some of you, you're like, well, I'm just not sure about Jesus, and I'm not sure about God. And, and so maybe you have a better mirror. And if so, let me know. But I think for most of us, we just don't even think about the mirror we use to reference our actions. We just live life. Whatever feels good, that's what we do. And James is saying, no, 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 you have to decide what mirror you use. And James is saying, I really think you should consider Jesus as the mirror. Because anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Like imagine, think about this, you this whole week make a commitment to go mirror free. Don't look at a single mirror other than the mirrors in your car. But you can't look at yourself, but please use your mirrors in your car. Okay? No more mirrors. You can tell people that you're, you know, you're trying this new thing. It's called a mirror-free life or something like that. Just make it up, and they'll go with it. They'll be like, oh, my gosh, that sounds so great. And, okay, and so that's what you tell people. Um, but honestly, what do you think you'd look like by the end of the week? I mean, probably not exceptionally great. Like, if you were not able to see your physical appearance and correct it and fix it, things would kind of go downhill right? And that's James's point. Listen, he's saying you have a mirror and you're just not lo- looking at it. You're not taking advantage of it. And, and so therefore, you will not be able to become the person you could be because you're not looking at the person that you could be, Jesus. I mean, and isn't that why you look at a mirror in the morning? Because you don't want to go out into the world and, and the world to know you by how you look when you roll out of bed, no, you want to clean up, right? You want to brush your teeth. You want to, you know, do your hair. You know, you want to get your makeup. I mean, you want to look like you're together. I'm not saying that's shallow. I'm just saying you just want to look like you, you got it together, right? That's not a terrible thing. Don't you do that so you look well? That you look like you take care of yourself? So why is it that if we so desperately, I mean, so passionately, so, so every day, in, every time we're in the bathroom, etc., we check ourselves, we look at, why is it that we want to see our physical appearance, but when it comes to our physical actions, we avoid them? Like, if we want to see clearly the reflection of our physical appearance, why not also see our physical actions? Or, better question, what do our actions or physical actions reflect? What did they reflect? And we resist it. We resist finding the truth of our physical actions. We resist coming to terms with, with how we really treat our neighbors and our friends and our family. We resist looking the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror, straight in the eyes and being really honest with what it looks like and how we're treating. And personally, I just think that's frightening. 
don't know about you, but I think that's, that's frightening that we do that. Because if you've ever been around someone who is experiencing or is experiencing memory loss, it can be very painful. Because you'll have people who once called you son or daughter or husband or wife completely forget who you are. And it's heartbreaking. Because you look at that person and every part of your being wants to say, you're losing who you are, who you were created to be, who you could be. And it feels like you're going backwards. And it's scary when you're face to face with that. And honestly, my friends, I think sometimes that's how God looks at us. He looks at us and says, hey, I've given you the tools. I've given you the tools, but you're not taking advantage of them. I mean, what more do you need? Like, I have given you this thing. Um, it's, it comes in a book form, and most of you don't even know maybe where it is in your home. Or it is, you know where it is. It's just on your coffee shop or your bookshelf collecting dust. You don't actually open it and use it. Or some of you, um, you know, giving you the church. But for some reason, um, and, and there are good reasons, and, and don't, I'm not like specifically pointing to any one thing or any one person, but, but for some reason we think, hey, the less we do or if we step back, things will get better. Thinking that, oh, if I get farther away from the body of Christ, the church, things will get better. Things will come together better. That's saying, I'm walking away from the mirror and forgetting who I am and who I could be. Or a small group. I'm, and I'm not just telling you these things like, this is what you have to do. I'm just inviting you to consider the potential growth that could come from these things. Or God gave us this awesome, like, wireless uh, communication with Him. It's called prayer. Like, you don't have to pay for it completely free. There's no plan. There's no contract. Okay? And you could just do that whenever you feel like it. And God's saying, I've given you these amazing tools so that you can look at your physical actions. You can ask yourself, what do my physical actions reflect? And be honest with yourself. Because what you're looking at in the mirror, what you're using to be your mirror, is God's Son who loves you, cares for you, and is perfect and taught so many things about how to live life. But whomever looks intently, he goes on to say, but whomever looks intently, next slide, intently into the perfect law, in other words, Jesus, the perfect law is Jesus, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I just want to be clear to everybody in the room. If your version of Christianity is not freeing, something's not right. Christianity done correctly is freeing. Christianity done right gives you the opportunity to experience peace that passes all, not some understanding, all understanding. That you sit on the other side of it and you're like, wow, this, this is great. And the only way that I can explain this freeing portion to you, that this idea that if you look at the perfect law, if you look at Jesus as your mirror and experience freedom, it's like this. Don't you feel better 
when you're able to go to someone who you're feeling bad about how you've treated them, the actions that you've taken towards them, and you're feeling maybe guilty, a little ashamed, and go to them and say, I'm sorry, and ask for their forgiveness, and then they forgive you. Doesn't that feel good? It's like a weight taken off your shoulders. It's freeing. It feels good. That's Christianity. I'm going to go to God, all the things I've done wrong, and ask for forgiveness, apologize, and he forgives you. It's freeing. For some of you, you're trying to go through life and be your own savior and be, your sa- be the savior to everybody else around you. Your kids, your family, your spouse, your extended family, your friends, your work. You're just trying to hold it all together, be everybody's savior. Wouldn't it be freeing if, if somebody else could be your savior? That's freeing. That comes with looking at Jesus in the mirror. Isn't it freeing to know that eternity is not in your hands and that it's going to be okay? That life after death, like what what are you going to experience after death? That's taken care of. You're going to be good life after death. That would be somewhat freeing maybe to some of you. Wouldn't it be freeing to know for certain that you are loved by the creator of the universe? That would be freeing. How do we know those things? Because that's what Jesus taught. And if you wake up every morning and you look into that mirror, reflecting back on you and your actions, don't you think that that could maybe have an impact, that that could bring some freedom and newness to your life and your decisions? I think it's possible. So here's two questions. And the first one, goes to all of you who are still maybe struggling with the whole God thing, faith thing. You're just starting to explore it, getting back into church the first time, wherever you are in that, okay? I just want you to consider, what mirror are you looking at? Most of us don't even ask this question, and I think it's a really important question. It it's begins a conversation. It begins a process of digging deeper. What mirror are you looking at? What, what frame of reference, what value system have you given your life and your actions. I would suggest to you, most of us, we don't even have one. We just go through life, as I said earlier, we just go through life doing what feels good. That feels good, that feels good, that feels good. But the problem is, the life of that feels good still has a lot of regrets. Because it felt good before you did it, and then you did it, and you're like, "Eh, I don't feel so good anymore. This was not good. It was a momentary, short-term good, feel good, but not a long-term, healthy, good for what's in here. Some of you, you just try to get so busy that you don't even think about it, or you are so busy, you just don't even have time to think about it. And this is a big, life-changing, direction-changing, action-changing question. Some of you, it is still everybody else. Maybe it's a couple of these uh, a couple of these mirrors. Maybe it's everybody else, and, and you look at them, and, and you wonder if your actions are good enough. And I got to think that's just exhausting. Like after a while, it's like I just daily like drive by my neighbors and I look and I remember, oh, they got this going on and they got this going on and it looks like they're doing this and I'm not doing any of that and so obviously I'm doing better. That's got to be exhausting. For some of you, you just need to explore the mere options. 
Maybe that's other religions. Maybe, maybe that, that you, and you need to do that. Um, and I would encourage you to do that. That doesn't bother me at all. I've done that. That was part of my seminary. I intentionally took those courses to see other religions that were out there and I studied them on my own and talked to people of the, about them on my own. And I'm just telling you, this is just my opinion. Um, and what, what I have found is that there is just something, a lot of somethings actually, that Christianity brings that no other brings to the table. That, that there's something about Jesus and what God did through Jesus that is so unique, it's life-changing. And for some of you, you just honestly really just need to understand Christianity, because the Christianity you grew up with was not a healthy version of Christianity, and that would be a good mirror to start with. And so you have to decide what mirror are you looking at. Some of you need to stop looking at political leaders as your mirrors, Okay especially around this season of the year, it's so easy to look at someone and say they're going to be my savior, our savior, however you want to look at it. And when you look at that, and the more you look at that, it will inform your actions, and it does. And it informs how you treat people, how you comment on social media, and treat people on social media, and what you do with your actions. And so I would really encourage you to consider, are you looking at a political candidate or political something as your mirror and your reference point? Maybe, maybe you say, well, I, I, just, uh, you know, I just read books and a lot of self-help books and things like that. And that's cool. I'm a big reader as well. Like I, well, Audible, listen. Um, but I read a lot of uh, um, leadership books and psychology books and relational books, marriage books, those kinds of things, because that all interests me. And I'm just telling you, like, there are some phenomenal books out there, and I'd love to recommend some. But, but at the core of all of their ideas in these really good books, the core ideas that they kind of bounce off of for their ideas and proposals and, and concepts, all of them, time and time again, it's just, it boggles my mind how all of them tie back to the principles that Jesus taught. So you can explore them, I'm just saying, sooner or later. And please explore them. Sooner or later, I think it comes back to Jesus. And Jesus followers, Christians in the room, here's the question you need to be asking yourself. Do you, do you reflect Jesus? Do you reflect Jesus? Is that the mirror that you're using, and are you using it? Are you taking advantage of it? And if you're not sure, I'd encourage you, go home, open your Bible, or download the Bible app, and, and read Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Matthew chapter 5 through 7, it's a very famous part of Jesus' teaching. It's called um, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus, like, its greatest hits. He just lays it all out there. We looked at it last week, okay? And there is a lot in there, my friends. But that will give you a good idea as to the mirror that is Jesus. And I just want you to ask yourself, as you read through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, when you go home today, or listen to it on your drive back home or whatever, just want you to ask yourself, if everybody did what Jesus taught in those three chapters alone, would it change our world? And how much would it change our world? And you're going to be really hard-pressed to say that it wouldn't shift everything about our world. It would be almost as if the world were redeemed, born again into something new, and lives would be transformed forever. I don't want to sound like a broken record, and I brought this up in week one, so we printed more, but we have this faith growth guide. It's completely free, and it's just options, ways in which you can better understand the mirror and to learn how to better reflect Jesus. And finally, and I know I talked about this um, in, in week one as well, I think, um, but, but, you know, I preach, I talk about getting involved, like serving, 
and inviting and giving and getting in the group, those kinds of things. I just don't say that because every church says that. I said that because Jesus said that, and that reflects Jesus. Because to start serving, at least in the church, is just a small way that you can take towards being like Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve. To invite people, something Jesus did all the time. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Come get engaged. Come learn about who I am and learn about what it means to follow me. Jesus said, lived his life literally in a group. He got 12 guys together and literally handed the church over to them, and it went from zero to two billion in 2,000 years. That's pretty incredible just a small group of guys. When we think small groups, we're like, well, that couldn't happen in our group. And I'm just saying, if Jesus is still there, and he's still working in our world, and you got a small group, incredible things can happen. And that you give, because Jesus said, where your heart is, so will be where your money is as well. And so where you give matters, and how you give generously matters. And it reflects Jesus. And so that's why we talk about those things, because they reflect Jesus. And so my hope for you as you walk out here today is you didn't just listen to this, that you would be honest with the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror, and say, you know what, I am honestly my greatest challenge. And I need to find a better mirror, maybe a Jesus mirror, to look at my actions, reflect my life, and live going forward. If you would, bow your heads, close your eyes, pray with me real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for James. Thank you for his message. Thank you for his faith. Um, This opportunity that we have um, to be convicted, and convicted is never easy. Change is hard. We uh, we understand that. Um, We talk about that, Um, but that it can be the hope, the change that we need. It can be what our hearts have been looking for, And so, Lord, my prayer is that we wouldn't just leave. Help us to not just leave, listening only. Help us to answer these questions for ourselves. Consider the words of James, and more importantly, consider the life and the teachings and everything that Jesus embodied as the possible mirror that we live our life and our actions based on. Help us to do that this week, this month, and this year, that this year could be a new year for us because of how we reflect the love of God through his son, Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Hey, I just want to encourage you right now to just stop whatever you're doing and pull out maybe your, your version Bible app or your Life Church Bible app and look up Matthew chapter 5. You don't have to read 5, 6, and 7, but just 5 and read that ponder it and pray on it because it may help you with the rest of your day, with the rest of your week, and beginning to get your heart and your mind in the habit of looking to Jesus and what Jesus said and taught as the mirror for your actions. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week.